I don't know how much football on a day like today I really want to discuss. Um, it was supposed to be a very important weekend for the sport uh, and a very important week in general for the sport of football uh, and in the NFL, obviously. Uh, but Monday's events kind of maybe gave us a glimpse into a uh, scary reality of the actual sport. It feels like we deal with injuries uh, on a weekly basis for this sort of thing. We've been talking about uh, concussions since the sport's been around and the uh, prominent head injuries that people suffer in that game, in that violent game, the most violent game that there is uh, in, in the world today. And um, the, the prominence of concussions and head injuries, even after you retire from the game and what it does to you. Um, but something as routine as the play last night with DeMar Hamlin, uh, making just a simple tackle from the safety position against another guy in T Higgins, who is not known as somebody that is uh, a bigger dude or anything like that. It's not like DeMar Hamlin was coming up to tackle a fullback or anything. And, and, uh, and the fullback just laid his, his, uh, his head right into DeMar Hamlin's chest or anything like that. It, it didn't, it looked more routine than, uh, than a lot of the plays that we see in the NFL looked like a very f- good form tackle from DeMar Hamlin. And, and, um, and it just, it, it's something, something, something happened. Something snapped. Um, he goes into cardiac arrest on the field, and uh, we see something that I think a lot of people um, in my lifetime, I would say, I'm 25 years old, going heading into 26, I guess. Um, I can't remember a moment in the game of football uh, where something like that has happened. Um, the popular one being uh, the one in the Seahawks, or excuse me, the Lions game in uh, Barry Sanders last game. I believe something, uh, I can't remember the name of the person that was in that game that also had a similar incident. The game went on, um, the, the player in that scenario went went on to be okay, and um, we hope that DeMar Hamlin becomes okay. But I, I, I would say that even back then, we hadn't had, we looking back then into now, we don't have any sort of comparison that we can make to something that happened, uh, to, to the thing that happened last night. Um, it was terrifying. Uh, just minutes before this happened, we were talking about how important it was a critical AFC game, uh, for the playoff picture with the Bengals possibly looking at clinching a, uh, a one seat as well as the bit the bills in the playoff picture, looking to clinch a one seat as well. Um, and in one instant, one play, all it took was one play, and all of that kind of uh, eroded, went away from our mind. Uh, immediately after that, uh, the event happened. After the tackle happened, uh, DeMar Hamlin gets up. And like a, any other normal play, gets up, just looks like he's about to walk back to his huddle and just falls backwards and collapses in a way that I don't think I've ever seen in the sport. Um, and, and it just kind of changes the perspective of things that are going on in that moment. Uh, immediately, you're... Mind erases the idea of any sort of any sort of playoff scenarios or anything like that. At that point, who cares? Um, and and you read later on. The only thing that I can compare it to, really, that incident I can compare it to, is um, if any of soccer fans are still are listening to this podcast, will remember uh, Christian Eriksen during the Euro tournament in 2021. It was the 2020 Euros, but they moved it to 2021, obviously, because of the pandemic. And Christian Eriksen uh, went into cardiac arrest on the field during the game, on the pitch. And um, it just was a routine. He was taking the ball out of the corner, or uh, near the near the corner, near the sideline of the field. And then all of a sudden, he just tumbles, collapses on the field. And um, 
in that moment, I was I was watching that live. I was watching last night's live, and I was watching the Erickson one live as well back in 2021. And in that moment, uh, I didn't know what had just happened. I saw him collapse, and I was like, "Whoa, that was weird. He must have been uh, he must have gassed himself or something like that. You know, must have uh, pushed himself too hard and maybe passed himself out." And then um, in the handling of it, ESPN for the game last night, they did a I would say an admirable job. Uh, they're put in a impossible situation. Um, you don't want to show what's going on on the field in that in that moment. Uh, all you can do is show the players' reactions, which are scary enough in that moment. Um, in the Erickson one, uh, in the Erickson uh, cardiac arrest back in 2021, uh, they were they were showing um, the Erickson receiving CPR on the field, and uh, that was traumatizing for a lot of people. It messed me up a little bit. I remember seeing that, and I was like, "Whoa, uh, this has just become a lot more real and a lot more uh, scary." From what I originally thought it was. Now, thankfully, Erickson, he ended up being okay. Uh, he was carted off the field, and uh, he was he was conscious. As, he was conscious as he was coming off the field, and he ended up having. Uh, I can't remember. He went into cardiac arrest, obviously, um, but I can't remember what the overlying condition was. But he ended up being okay. He's playing uh, top flight soccer again. Just a, a, a not too long later, just a year and a half later, he's playing top flight soccer once again. So Erickson ended up working out. Demar Hamlin uh, currently in critical condition in at the university of Cincinnati hospital in Cincinnati, uh, university of Cincinnati medical center, excuse me. And, um, we can only hope, um, pray if, if you're one of those people, uh, if pray that he is okay. Um, and it really just the overlying, um, effects of a situation like that, really how quickly the game can really change in, in your mind from it really becoming something that you're focused on to it really just becoming a game. In that scenario, um, he goes down, he collapses. You hear that they were performing CPR for nine minutes on uh, on Demar Hamlin, which, from what I understand, is not necessarily good or a bad thing. In those in those scenarios, from what I've read, uh, you just want to provide uh, the CPR enough to a point that you know he's able to sustain himself. And for whatever reason, that took nine minutes for the medical staff on the field in that moment. And again, and really quickly, a shout out to the medical staff. They knew what they were doing. Uh, they were quick and um, clearly their training had paid off in uh, in the, in the moments prior in the, in the, the, the time prior to this, to this night. And um, right now they were able to bring him back to, uh, to life with the CPR and they used an AED as well. Uh, and they were able to bring him back in that situation. And uh, he's conscious at the, uh, University of Cincinnati Medical Center, and he's still uh, he's still in critical condition, but he is a uh, he is um, has his own pulse and that sort of thing. So that that's at least the very least um, some sort of good news compared to where it was at about eight fifty five Eastern, six fifty five our time when he collapsed. Um, so it's just a I don't know how much of a broader perspective it has on the sport other than uh, you, you know it's just a dangerous sport. We all know that, and it's something we all kind of have to check at the door. Uh, even when you're watching football, uh, I don't know if it ever in our minds, I think I remember saying on this podcast a while ago after an injury, like not like this, obviously, but an, an injury that was seemed severe on the field. I remember saying um, it felt like we weren't necessarily very far away from uh, seeing a death occur on the field of football just because of the things that you're asking a lot of these guys to do. Um, Players are getting stronger, players are getting faster, and collisions like that are becoming more and more common, not necessarily the one from from Hamlin, because that was a very common collision that we see in football all the time, um, but you know, the more head-on collisions are things that I'm more concerned about, and something like this, where essentially the guy, 
uh, T. Higgins, who was being brought down by DeMar Hamlin, uh, lands on Hamlin's chest and essentially uh, just uh, restarts his heart uh, from the basic terms of it, I guess is what you could say, uh, and sends him into cardiac arrest. That's not something I would have ever feared happening. I didn't realize it was a thing that was even possible uh, in that sense. I thought it took a lot more uh, of a, of a, uh, of a uh, pounds of pressure, I guess is what you could say for that sort of thing to happen. And um, it's like I said, the, the, the head injuries, the concussions, the neck injuries and stuff like that were something I'm a, I was a lot more afraid of for football players. And then you're, you're, you're entering into in this conversation. Now, again, it's, it's rare. It's obviously does not happen often. And, and I know that the the Bills and the Bengals players obviously must be uh, terrified from what they saw yesterday. Um, but these guys, if it were me in this scenario, it's you've created an entire and, you know, obviously these guys are completely they're built completely different. I mean, we're not on the same page mentally. These guys are stronger than I am mentally, obviously, and physically, obviously. Um, but if that were me in that scenario, in that scenario, you've created as a teammate and as an opponent watching this happen, you've created an entire new fear that I didn't realize I would have to put up with playing this game of football. Like that, that sort of situation, that routine play can happen to anybody in this game, in the, in the game of football. Um, and for it to have that sort of effect on uh, DeMar Hamlin was uh, terrifying. And I can't imagine what the Bills players are going through, what the Bengals players are going through. Uh, a lot of the fans that must've been in attendance, what they're probably going through, what they, what they, what they saw um, live happening right in front of them must have been um, chilling as well. Um, and all you could really hope for at this point is that Demar Hamlin, like we said, I mean, he's 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 uh, he's got his pulse, which is good, but he's still in critical condition at the University of Cincinnati Medical Center. If you're looking to support Hamlin in a different way uh, financially, I'm going to leave a GoFundMe down in the description of this podcast that you can find it's the chasing the chasing m's foundation community toy drive that he puts together as his uh as his sort of community involvement with the bills um it's a gofundme it's already received uh 4.5 million dollars raised for the two thousand five hundred dollar goal uh that he has here on the gofundme and um if you're willing to uh donate instead of you know as as a form of um support towards his uh, his toy drive that would be uh, we obviously he'd greatly appreciate that the family would greatly greatly appreciate that uh, if not then keep him in your thoughts keep him in your prayers as well as his family um, and we hope nothing but the best for Demar Hamlin and this entire situation is just kind of uh, you know scares everybody I can't imagine what his family is going through what the team is going the team is going through it's just been a uh, it's been a, a weird Tuesday I, I never thought I would see. Like I said, I've talked about it earlier where I thought we would get to this point, uh, get to the point of uh, of seeing somebody uh, approach this situation in a different way, obviously. Um, and I but I never really knew how I would react to the actual moment itself where this now all of a sudden sport that we all know and love, love so much um, becomes a life and death sport, if that makes sense. Something that becomes all of a sudden a life and death situation. Um, I, I, I thought it would eventually happen just because of how much this sport is broadcast to the rest of the world. There's literally no game that is not shown on television in the NFL. And it just felt like we were going to approach a point of no return where this is what we were going to end up seeing because of how dangerous this sport really is. Um, and it's unfortunate that it happened last night. And again, I, I did not really anticipate how I would react to that um, 
even if it did happen in front of me. I, I just, there's no way to really prepare yourself for that sort of, uh, that sort of situation. And, um, I left me kind of, uh, it led me, it, let, it left me shaken because you really, it's a, it's a very big juxtaposition from, uh, looking at your fantasy team or whatever, the bets you place during the game or whatever, just your, your Bengals or a Bills fan to all of a sudden now you're worried about the guy that's playing on this team that you're rooting for surviving the night or surviving uh, the the rest of his stay in the hospital. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a juxtaposition that's hard to really fathom uh, for when you're, you're coming in and checking that at the door for, as a sports fan, that's not something you really have to, or should have to prepare for as a sports fan. It's unfortunate. Um, but, and like I said, now all you can do is hope that he's okay. Um, if you're willing to donate to that toy drive, that would be uh very with a you know we'd be very appreciative of that hamlin would be very appreciative appreciative of that as well and as well as the hamlin family that's probably the best way to kind of show your support towards his um towards his situation right now would be to do that if you guys if if anybody was would be willing to do that that would be fantastic so we'd appreciate that they would appreciate that as well and i'll leave that uh, gofundme link in the description of this podcast you can go and check it out yourself um so we're going to talk a little bit about football, I guess. Um, I don't know how excited I'm going to be at talking about football or anything like that. We'll just kind of go through the motions. Uh, essentially, it's kind of a, a weird weekend, uh, a weird week for football, to be honest with you, for it to end that way. In a, like I said earlier, it was a it was a week filled with more or less a celebration of football, if you will. This kind of felt like uh, one of the weeks where it was from. You know, Saturday, which was Christmas Eve, Christmas, Christmas Day was Saturday, if I remember correctly, Sunday, Saturday or Sunday, I think it was Sunday, actually, uh, was Christmas and the NFL had games on Christmas. It's usually basketball's day. Uh, Christmas Day is usually about the NBA's day to kind of take over, not necessarily take over, but uh, insert itself into the sports conversation more so than during the previous months when basketball is still going on. Um, and the NFL had games on that Sunday, obviously, and it just completely dominated the NBA in the rankings. I believe the highest rated NBA game was the Bulls, or excuse me, not the Bulls, the Celtics and the Bucks that had like 6 million viewers uh, or something like that. And then uh, the and the NFL games on Christmas Day averaged averaged uh, 22.9 million viewers across the three days, uh, the three uh, the three games on Christmas Day. And then you follow that up with a week full of uh, some other college football bowl games as well. And then leading up to that, the uh, the Saturday approaching New Year's Eve and New Year's Day, you have uh, the uh, the college football playoff games, which were both fantastic games. Uh, TCU beating Michigan in an upset 51 to 45. That was a super fun game to watch uh, an offensive uh, now uh, offensive explosion, which I don't think a lot of people really expected from that game, especially with Michigan's defense coming in as one of the more touted. Uh, I mean, really one, one of the most, uh, one of the more touted uh, squads in the country for sure uh, on defense, especially uh, but TCU able to really kind of do a lot of whatever they want on the offensive side of the ball. And uh, they end up winning that game Wolverines did put up 39 points in the second half, but it didn't matter. TCU ends up winning 51 to 45. There was a, a questionable targeting call on the last drive of the game uh, between Michigan and TCU that would have gone against TCU, put Michigan into a first down situation. They ended up uh, rescinding the targeting call and ended up, uh, it was a fourth down and Michigan loses the game on that essentially with no targeting call. They don't get the first down. TCU ends up winning and able to kneel out the rest of the clock. 
a great game, and then uh, and then followed up by Georgia versus Ohio State. Ohio State nearly uh, pulls off a huge upset over Georgia uh, with a game-winning field goal that went way wide left. Uh, that would have been one of the bigger upsets that I can remember in the college football playoff. But I, personally, I think TCU is the bigger upset, even if Ohio State wins that game. TCU was really coming into this matchup given, like, no shot coming into that game against Michigan, given no shot coming into that game. Um, and lo and behold, there it feels like TCU is the first really, the true, first true Cinderella we've gotten out of the college football playoff. I know we've had like Ohio State uh, back in 2015, 2016, if I remember correctly, when they played, um, they were the four seed coming into the playoff and they ended up winning the whole thing. But it's Ohio State. I mean, of, you know, it's Ohio State. Of course, they're going to be one of the better programs in the country. TCU. They get these glimpses every two or three years, it feels like, where they're a really solid football team, uh, maybe even more, three or four years, maybe like five years, they have a really solid football team. They're good for the rest of the other years, but really, you know, these is every five years. I mean, this is higher than any other TCU team we've ever gotten, obviously, um, but, you know, every five years, you can kind of market that the TCU, TCU is going to have a very good football team, and um you just don't see a team like TCU, uh, Texas Christian University, going into the college football playoff, winning a game against a blue blood in Michigan and uh, with the possibility to win the national championship. And of course, they're going to come into this game against Georgia now. Uh, Georgia's the number one team in the country, the, has been the number one team in the country, it feels like, for most of the season. And they're going to think, why not? I mean, they just be the number two team. Why can't they beat Georgia? And you know what? I'm who am I to doubt them? Uh, they, they showed us that they can, they could beat Michigan and, uh, Georgia showed that they had a little bit of, uh, uh, some, some things that could be exploited, if you will, on the defensive side of the ball, which I think a lot of people did not think they had anything that could be exploited, but Ohio state showed differently. And maybe TCU can build on that. And who knows if TCU is the national champion come, uh, December or excuse me, uh, January 9th, then I don't know how surprised I'd be. It would be really cool. It'd be very interesting. It'd be a weird way to start next season to say that a defending national championship is the TCU Horn Frogs. I can't remember a if that is 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 what's to happen if TCU does end up winning the national championship. I don't know if we've had a more out of place national champion in college football history. I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Maybe Colorado in the late '90s when they were very good. Uh, we look back on that now and think. Uh, how did that happen? But they were very good in the late nineties, early two thousands when they won championships. Um, but other than that, I mean, it's especially in recent memory. I mean, you'll be hard pressed to find a more random champion and not necessarily random is kind of a negative connotation, but maybe a more, um, more out of nowhere champion. I don't think a lot of people, I mean, no one thought TCU would be at this point, uh, this time, this time in the year for sure. Um, and I don't think a lot of people expected TCU to be even remotely as good as they are. Uh, right now, so so just looking at some of the the former national champions in the history of college football, just in recent memory, maybe the most, um, even though they were a very good team, the most random Auburn in 2010. That's when they had Cam Newton. That team was very good. Cam Newton, probably the best athlete we've ever seen in college football uh, at the quarterback position. I would say he was uh, in obviously insane at the quarterback position. He won the Heisman that year, um, but that one was maybe a little bit out of place. But they're SEC, so. I'm not going to say it's completely uncommon. Obviously, it's an SEC team. Anybody from the SEC kind of feels like they have. If you go undefeated in the SEC, you're guaranteed a spot 
in the uh, in the college football playoff. If you w- lose one game in the SEC, you're probably guaranteed a playoff spot in the college football playoff. So I don't know how un I don't know how um, how strange that one necessarily was compared to TCU. Um, just scrolling through the list here, it looks like uh, Colorado won in 1990. So late 90s was a little little too late. So early 90s was Colorado and Georgia Tech was also the 1990 team. But that's when they were doing uh, the weird thing when nobody actually won a national championship. You know what I mean? They, they played on all the bowl games and then like all the writers voted on who the best team was in the in the in the country. And then they would come out with their rankings at the end of the year and be like, all right, this was the best team or the at the at the end of the bowl season be like all right this was the best team your national championship you know there wasn't an actual bowl uh, you know a national national championship game so that's a little bit different um but then you go down the list brigham young in 1984 looking back at that uh looking at it today uh as an independent that would be that would be odd to see brigham young in in the uh in the college football playoff but they haven't been terrible in recent memory either not to say tcu has been but they haven't been uh you know haven't been stunning or anything like that so I think this would easily probably be the most uh, out of left field national champion that that we that the the college football community has had in easily easily twenty five years in my opinion. So um, we'll see. I mean, I hope they do it just because everybody loves a Cinderella story. Uh, I'm I'm a Big Twelve guy. I'm my, my favorite team's Oklahoma, so I'll root for the Big Twelve team. TCU uh, is a fun team to watch as well. Not that not not that Georgia isn't, but. Um, you know, it it would look a lot better for the Big 12 for TCU to win this national championship. Obviously, uh, it already looks good for the Big 12. They went in and beat uh, Michigan in the uh, the semifinals. So, you know, we'll see what happens. Uh, I, go TCU, go Horn Frogs. I'll do the little knuckle thing. Go Horn Frogs. We'll see if they can do it. Pull off one of the bigger upsets in uh, in college football history. Let's see what the spread is really quick. According to DraftKings, so I'm pulling up right now on my phone. It looks like Georgia is favored. It looks like the last it was was 12 and a half. And right now it is 13. Georgia's 13 point favorites against TCU um, as of Tuesday afternoon, Tuesday the 3rd. And the game doesn't start till uh, January 9th, Monday, January 9th. So obviously that's where it'll move a little bit. Um, but 13, that feels about right for the sports books but you know i i we don't get a lot of national championship blowouts so i mean that might be something to play honestly uh and we don't get a lot of uh, huge blowouts in the national championship so it'll be interesting i i think tcu will obviously fight uh because they've that's i mean that's what they've done all year they've won a ton of one score games uh and won on last second field goals and stuff like that that's been, that's been their forte all season long so i can't imagine they'll go down uh without a fight against georgia um but we'll see what happens. It'll be fun. Uh, this is an, an interesting game, an interesting game to see. I think it's it's good for the sport to see a team like TCU get in because it kind of shows that uh, maybe the, and this is really, in my opinion, the first time it's really showed that the system somewhat works. You put a team in there like TCU who hasn't really gotten the recognition of the Georgias, the Michigans, the Ohio States, and uh, see what happens. And lo and behold, TCU wins that game. Maybe they are the best team in the country. And to me, that means the system is, is working in that sense. And I'm excited to see them move to, you know, eight game eight game playoff or whatever and see what they do there um and how wild it can kind of get in that situation so yeah national championship coming up next monday we'll recap it too right here on the weekend sports wrap podcast uh next tuesday uh another couple quick things let's talk about the other bowl games that we had on uh on uh new year's day the day after new year's day whatever sunday monday uh i guess sunday was new year's day so the day after uh, New Year's Day, we had the Rose Bowl, we had the Sugar Bowl, uh, a couple of the Citrus Bowl as well. Citrus Bowl was a no contest, though, uh, to LSU beat Purdue 
63-7, so we won't talk about that one at all. Tulane beating USC, that one was cool. Tulane, 16th ranked in the country. They were 2-10 and 10 a year ago. Uh, they came all the way back this year. Crazy, crazy turnaround. Uh, excuse me, not the, not the Sugar Bowl. It was the Cotton Bowl. Not the Sugar Bowl. Cotton Bowl. Um, they beat USC 46 to 45. They were down uh, 14. I think it was uh, 15 with uh, five minutes to play. 14 with five minutes to play in the fourth quarter. They were able to come back, win that game against USC uh, on a on a one of the on a game winning f- touchdown with just nine seconds left to go uh, on a cooler play that we've seen. And then we had uh, Penn State. They defeated Utah. Penn State came out there. They were running a split T offense on the goal line at times. That was weird. I haven't seen that in. 40 years Oklahoma with the wishbone offense. That's probably the last time I see it. They were running double double halfback dive out of the spring out of the uh, out of the the wing T offense. That was that was weird. Uh, I didn't I didn't know how to felt. That looked like something straight out of Wyoming two way football, and uh, it was effective. They won 35 21. Obviously, it's hard to game plan if you're Utah. It's hard to game plan against a wing T offense if it's the first time you've ever seen it. Basically, impossible to game plan against something like that. So, uh, but I think I'm pretty sure Penn State's used it earlier this year as well. So. You know what? If it's working for them, I mean, they're not going to run it every play. Obviously, uh, they're not going to go back to the wishbone offense back in the of the eighties and stuff like that. But to see it down in the goal line is pretty cool. I I, I like the idea of somebody switching to like a wing T offense down in the red zone or something like that, just to throw uh, the teams off, give multiple looks for the defense that are very difficult to defend against. I don't know how effective that would be. I mean, obviously, Penn State scored a couple times with that, but if they start to pick up on it, maybe 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 it's not as effective anymore. Um, but yeah, it was cool. It wasn't as good of a Rose Bowl as last year. Obviously, it's hard to match last year's Rose Bowl game between Ohio State and Utah. Uh, but still, a pretty solid Rose Bowl game. Like I said, I, I've talked about this before. It's the last. It's the last bowl game of the God knows how many bowls. Forty-two bowl games, I think there is. Uh, that feels like it's important, even though there's no connection to the playoff. Like this year, there's no connection to the playoff. They do have. Uh, I think they'll have the Rose Bowl as a playoff game next year. But it's really the only bowl game in my opinion other than the duke's mayo bowl which man i thought they went all out last year man if you watch duke's mayo bowl this year holy cow they made it even more into a gigantic ad it was incredible i saw more posts about just what was going on with duke's mayo at that game like the actual mayonnaise mayonnaise brand and the fact that they had mayonnaise on the field and stuff like that they had a guy that was dressed up as like the 1000th fan of mayo and he had a shirt on that said just here for the mayo and he was eating mayo out of the jar of mayo he was just eating it straight up with a spoon i saw a uh, one of the one of the interns or whatever the marketing or not the marketing the social media interns for one of the teams that were there i think it was i honestly i couldn't even tell you who played i think it was nc state in maryland if i remember correctly and i think one of the interns the social media interns or whatever uh, put out a tweet and said, hey, for every, every 1,000 likes on this tweet is how many scoops of mayo I'll eat straight up. And that's what he did. And I think he ended up eating like a like 22 straight scoops of mayo or spoonfuls of mayo or something ridiculous like that. That was out there. I saw more of that from the Duke's Mayo Twitter handle, like the Duke's Mayo Twitter team, Duke's Mayo like bowl game Twitter team. I saw more of the stuff that was going on around the stadium and in the media room and stuff like that than what was actually going on in the football game. And that's just where we're going with college football bowl games. That is the that is the end-all, be-all of bowl games at this point, in my opinion. If more people buy into that, like one that that should have bought more into that is the, outbo- the Outback Bowl, rest in peace. Uh, it's now the Reliant Quest Bowl, 
lot less cool. The Outback Bowl, they used to have the Flamin' Onion as the mascot running, or the Flamin' Onion, the Bloomin' Onion, not the Flamin' Onion, the Bloomin' Onion uh, from Outback just running around there as the mascot. And it felt like we were kind of teetering onto that at, at that point with the Outback Bowl. And then Duke's Mayo just went all in on it. Uh, they dunked they dunked one of the head coaches in Mayo, obviously. He had, had one of the big hats on, too. That was really funny. It's just, I mean, it, it, the fact that they're leaning into it so hard, I almost give them props because that can either turn out either really funny or embarrassing, embarrass, embarrassingly, geez, that's a hard thing to say, embarrassingly cringeworthy, and it didn't really turn out the second one. It did not turn out the latter. It was more the first, and I can't believe they pulled it off. They they leaned even more into it, and it was uh, it ended up working for them. Barstool also had a similar situation where they didn't even they didn't even broadcast it on any of the major networks or anything like that. They streamed it straight from their website, and uh, and they kind of leaned into the absurdity of it as well. They were basically they were running a promotion for Barstool the entire. I mean, which no duh, they're streaming it on their on their website, but of all the, of all the, uh, essentially all the, 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 the popular people that you'll see on Barstool and stuff like that. It's just, this is where bowl season's going. This is what bowls are going to be. If they're not important games, they're just going to be gigantic ads for whoever buys the sponsorship for these bowls. I, that is where we're going. And that's just unfortunate. Uh, but I don't, it's just there because there's nothing really tied into them. The only one that's not going to do that is obviously the Rose Bowl because there's so much, you know, there's so it's the granddaddy of them all, quote unquote. So they're not going to they're not going to surround it with a bunch of advertising and lean into sponsorships too too heavily, I would say, with the Rose Bowl. But that's the only one that I can imagine where it's not like that. I really and maybe the Cotton Bowl as well because it's it's in Jerry's world and we all know how he feels about the game of football. It's sacred to him, so maybe he he doesn't let them. He doesn't allow that to really happen in his house maybe they move it or something like that sure um but yeah that's just where it feels like i mean more that i cannot imagine like the interactions that duke's mayo bowl must have gotten just on twitter alone from the posts that they were posting on there in the in the stuff that was getting posted from their game from other from other fan sites and stuff like that that must have been a huge win for them they didn't even care about the outcome of the game at that point because of how much interaction they were getting on social media and in the rest of uh, in the rest of the internet so i don't know it's just uh it's not frustrating. I just kind of, you can see through it at times where it's like, okay, this is what they're doing. Like they don't care about the game itself. They just using this time to be a one massive advertisement. And, um, and they did, I thought Duke's mail was going to, they leaned into it a lot last year and they doubled it this year. And it was, it was kind of absurd how much we were watching people eat spoonfuls of, of Duke's mail out of straight out of the jar. I didn't think I would be, I didn't think I would be seeing that very often. And here we are. I was seeing that basically every time they panned into the stadium, into the stands for, for uh, in between a-, a game action, somebody was eating like a spoonful of mayo. It was gross. It's gross. Anybody that does that, by the way, disgusting. Don't do that. Just put it on a sandwich. Okay. Bring some bread, put it on some bread and eat it like it's toast. Okay. Don't eat just spoonfuls of mayonnaise. That's disgusting. Shout out Duke's Mayo though. Okay. If you guys need me there, you probably don't, but Hey, I'll come down there. I'll be your ad. I'll be your ad down there. We can do a Duke's Mayo weekend sports rap podcast if you'd like, and I'll do it on the field. doesn't matter to me. That'd be awesome. That'd be fun as hell. Uh, okay. Yeah. Those were the, those were the big games from the weekend. Uh, the big bowl games, obviously national championship coming up as well for college football. And then we'll wrap up the season of college football and, uh, then I'll be sad for about four months. And then, uh, well, not really more like three months and then baseball will start. I'll be happy again. And then baseball will start ending and then I'll be sad again. And then college football will start again. And then I'm happy again. So, you know, that's kind of the, the, the revolving circus that is my life when it comes to, when it comes to, uh, when it comes to sports, uh, really quickly, 
Something I want to commend on really quick, give a huge commendation. Um, I'm not a huge, gigantic hockey guy. Uh, I'll tune into some playoff hockey just because that's when I really start buying into what's going on uh, and and pay more attention to it. I'm one of those guys. There's a lot of playoff hockey guys, obviously, um, but I'm more of just a straight up playoff hockey guy. But man, I don't know if there's a cooler event in any sport, really than the winter classic it is so cool to see these guys out on it was the bruins versus the penguins uh on monday and they were out on the ice at fenway park they were playing outside it's like a it looks like something from a little kid's fantasy you know you have the you have the street hockey where every kid plays even i played street hockey as a kid where you were just out on the driveway shooting the puck with your homies shooting the puck into the back of the net and it just feels like that. That's what it feels like. Even though, you know, they're still on ice and everything like that. It feels like uh, something you could just throw on the pond up in Minnesota. You know, that sort of thing where you go out and play on the pond, play some hockey on the pond. That, that's what this feels like. It is such a cool event that they do for this. Um, the angles can be a little bit goofy at times because they put it, you know, it's it's hard to do camera angles for an event like this because you're putting the hockey rink right in the middle of Fenway Park. So some of the angles can be different. You're not really uh, the the the. Fenway Park's not built for a hockey game, obviously, but man, it looks cool. Like a lot of the wide shots that you get from something like that. Uh, if the snow starts falling, I remember the snow started falling when they were doing it at the big house in Michigan a couple years ago and the snow started falling. It's so cool. It just, it's a, it's from a little kid's fantasy. There's not a cooler. There's really not a cooler event that any other sport does. Uh, maybe the only one that I can really think of right now would be, uh, college basketball used to do, I think they, they brought it back this year as well, but they used to do, um, they, cause they, they start right around veterans day. If I remember correctly, college basketball does, and they would do like an opening game on like an aircraft carrier as like a salute to service type of thing. And those were so cool. I don't remember if they, I think they brought it back this year. I can't remember who played in it, in it. Uh, but those, the, that was, that was pretty cool. I remember watching that as a kid and being like, this is sick. They're playing outside on an aircraft carrier. The sight lines are super cool. Cause you get the sunset in the background and stuff. Um, it was super cool, but the winter classic to me undefeated. I, part of me wishes they would play all hockey games outside. I mean, that would be cool. Obviously that is not feasible. I wish they would have more winter classics. That would be cool. They could do like a series of them in different places around the country. That would be pretty cool. Um, but you know, I don't know how feasible that is either. So, but yeah, the one that they have is awesome. They did it in Fenway this year. I think they did it in, uh, I want to say they did it in Yankee stadium. Not too long ago, obviously the big house as well. Just Wherever they go, it always looks cool. It always looks fun. And then the Boston Bruins guys, they dressed it up. They dressed up as as old time Boston Red Sox players coming off the bus. That was cool. It's just a cool event that they do. Really combining the the two sports and the two fan bases into uh, into one really really cool event uh, that the NHL puts on every single year. So, like I said, not a not a massive hockey guy, but that event is something that I kind of tune into every year just because of how how interesting and how cool um, how different it is than really any other sport does um, throughout the rest of, the, at least in, in American major sports. So that was cool to watch on Monday. And uh, yeah, shout out to the NHL. Playoffs coming soon. Then I'll definitely be tuning in a lot more, obviously. Um, okay, really quickly, I didn't want to talk about the NFL too much this weekend, obviously, just because of what happened on Monday. It really, it really just was kind of a... Um, it put a dampener on things for a lot of what was going on in the rest of the NFL. I, I'm, I'm more concerned about what's going on with uh, with Hamlin, obviously, than anything else that's going on in the NFL at this point in time. Um, I, I'd be happy uh, to talk more about uh, more about the NFL once we get a a, a a positive outcome on his situation. But I mean, the all of uh, week 17 at this point, it does not matter to me. Um, we had a couple moves in 
the uh, the playoff picture. I'll talk about that for a second. Uh, the Chiefs, um, they're technically the one seed, but Bills haven't finished their game yet either with the Bengals. We have no idea when they're going to finish th- that game. We just got a notification from uh, Roger Goodell. He said that that game was not going to be finished anytime during this week, so they're going to figure that out, obviously. And that will, you know, change the the situation in the in the playoff bracket in the AFC. But none of those guys really care about that at this point, obviously, and they shouldn't. Um, but uh, we had the Los Angeles Chargers; they went up a spot. They are in the five seed now. Ravens are the six seed. Uh, we still have the Jaguars and the Patriots in the hunt. The Jaguars, I believe, they can clinch uh, if they win if uh, clinch the AFC South title it's against the uh, the Titans this upcoming weekend and uh, they'll win, you know, either team, either the Titans or the Jaguars can clinch the AFC South, uh, AFC South title and a playoff spot with a win against either team next week. And then the rest of the AFC for the seven seed, the Patriots, they can clinch their eight and eight right now uh, with a win at the bills or a Dolphins loss versus the Jets and the Steelers loss versus the Browns and a Jaguars win versus the Titans. The Dolphins can clinch with a win versus the Jets and a Patriots loss at the bills next weekend. The Steelers can clinch with a win versus the Browns and a Dolphins loss versus the Jets and a Patriots loss at the Bills. And then the Jaguars, obviously, if they win, regardless, they're in um, with the AFC South title. But uh, they can clinch with the loss versus the Titans and losses by the Dolphins, Patriots and Steelers, even if they lose against the Titans. Obviously, you put a lot more into play if you ended up losing that game, if you're the Jaguars against the Titans. But if you win... Uh, if you win that game, you're in. Obviously, if the Titans lose that game against the Jaguars, they're out regardless. So um, we'll see what happens in the AFC. And then NFC, we have a couple number one seed scenarios coming up this weekend. Uh, the Eagles can clinch with any uh, any of the following, a win or a tie versus the Giants, a Cowboys loss and a tie or, or a tie at the Commanders, or a 49ers loss or a tie versus the Cardinals. But if the Eagles win, obviously they get the one seed and by plus home field advantage throughout the playoffs. 49ers can clinch the one seed with a win versus the Cardinals plus Eagles loss versus the Giants and the Cowboys can clinch both the NFC East and the one seed if uh, they win at the Commanders the Eagles lose versus the Giants as well and then look at the one seed if the 49ers lose or tie with the Cardinals as well and that NFC East title like I was saying the Eagles can clinch with a win or Cowboys loss at the Commanders and the Cowboys can clinch with a win at the Commanders and Eagles loss versus the Giants and then the seventh seed is still kind of a little funky the Packers they had a Dominant win against my Vikings. I hate that team so much. Uh, this past weekend, uh, and uh, the Packers somehow from from the depths of hell, they have risen back up. Packers are back. They're eight and eight. They can clinch a playoff spot. The seven seed wild card in the NFC with a win versus the Lions this upcoming week. This is the only time I'll ever root for the Lions. Lions, I'd rather see you in the playoffs. Do it, please. Win this game. Uh, they. Lions can still get in as well. They can clinch with a Packers loss, or excuse me, a win at the Packers and a and a Seahawks loss or tie versus the Rams, or they can tie with the Packers and Seahawks loss versus the Rams, or tie with the Packers and Rams, Seahawks tie as well, and the Commanders win versus the Cowboys. But easiest scenario: Lions win, uh, Seahawks lose. That you're in at that point if you're the Lions. So Lions, get it done, okay? Get the Packers out of there. That's what we want. That's what we want for the Lions. Uh, the Seahawks, obviously, they can clinch as well. The win versus the Rams and a Packers loss or tie versus the Lions, or they can tie versus the Rams and Lions Packers uh, tie and Commanders loss uh, lose or tie versus the Cowboys as well. So a little bit scrambled. Not a scramble last week. Obviously, we got a lot of the playoff spots kind of locked up um, in the uh, in both in both areas. Six of them are locked up at the moment in uh in both uh in both both conferences so we'll see what happens next week um but for the most part none of that really matters at this point demar hamlin that's all we want to hear about uh as long as he's okay then 
we can continue this brutal, brutal sport that is football um, and continue with it, hopefully in, in a positive situation. Damar, I hope he does okay. Um, the all, the good news from what he suffered uh, from a couple of other people that suffered, like I said, Christian Erickson, uh, he suffered a similar situation. He was out there playing uh, top flight English soccer a, a year and a half later. Uh, there's another soccer player, if I remember correctly, um, that also suffered a, I can't remember his name, I apologize for this, but he suffered a similar situation. He ended up retiring, but he was good enough to continue playing if he wanted to, but he ended up retiring as well. So those are the positives that we can take out of this. If he's able to pull through, maybe he can be able, he can recover and and continue to live his life normally. And uh, if he wants to play football again, maybe they can clear him to play football again if possible. Um, but that's, I mean, really, at this point, that's kind of the last thing on anybody's mind um, right now. So we'll see what Demar Hamlin again. That GoFundMe is going to be in the description of this episode. If you were, are willing to donate to Demar Hamlin's uh, toy drive, community toy drive, that would be huge. Um, would be greatly appreciated from him, from his family, and then the rest of the NFL world as well. They've raised a ton of money for it, and. Uh, the more the merrier, honestly, at this point for, for that, uh, for that, uh, for that toy drive. So I'll leave that in the description as well. So, um, we greatly, pre- they'd greatly appreciate donations towards that, uh, and, and, uh, so on and so forth. So Damar, we're thinking about you, brother, please pull through. And of course, thinking about his family, teammates and everything like that, the Bengals as well, uh, for that scary situation in Cincinnati, um, football at this point, uh, for the NFL week 17, just kind of put on the back burner. Nothing else that really matters right now than Damar Hamlin. Uh, so hopefully he's pulling through all thoughts, all prayers uh, for him. And uh, please go check out the GoFundMe in the description below for Damar Hamlin's toy drive. That would be greatly appreciated. Uh, but that's going to wrap up the show this weekend. A little bit shorter, obviously, uh, because of the whole situation on Monday. Um, but hopefully he's okay. Hopefully Hamlin's okay. We can get back to to, to normal stuff next Tuesday. That would be That would be awesome. Um, so shout out to Mar Hamlin, shout out his family, shout out the Bills, shout out the Bengals. Um, thinking about all those guys and uh, everybody that's listening here today. Make sure you go check out the GoFundMe again. I, I'm sorry, I'm kind of repeating myself there, but you know, obviously, I'm I'm little I'm a little I'm still a little flustered on that whole situation. So uh, make sure you check that out and uh, keep your thoughts with the Mar Hamlin. Uh, for now, though, thank you very much for tuning into the Weekend Sports Rep Podcast. Make sure to leave a rating on this show over on Spotify. Uh, you can listen to it on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, and make sure to leave a rating on any of those platforms. would be greatly appreciated. Uh, that's how we get into the trending section a little bit more in the sports section of all of those sites. Uh, so that would be greatly appreciated. Five stars, please, if you don't mind. And then if you're not following the show on any of those platforms, follow that as well. Greatly appreciate that as well. But for now, uh, this has been the Weekend Sports Rep Podcast. I've been your host, James Timberlake. <laughs>